Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. And what's up? Welcome in Gamecock Nation Friday episode of the show. We are calling this the official South Carolina versus ECU preview show. So whether you are joining us live here on Friday afternoon or after the fact on the podcast, or maybe you're even riding up to Greenville, North Carolina today and it's Saturday morning, you're getting ready for the game. No matter how you listen, where you listen, what you're listening on, we appreciate your support and we appreciate the support of Clint Hammond, our presenting sponsor here on GC Live, you see the banner over our head every single day if you watch on YouTube. Clint Hammond uh, is the uh, mortgage network guy here in Columbia. ClintHammond.com is how you can find his information. 803-771-6933. The NMLS number is 71597. And you can find his, uh, more information at chammond at mortgagenetwork.com if you want to shoot Clint an email. Again, if you are in that market, we just want you to give Clint a shot, give him a chance, and I promise you he will take great care of you. Uh, we've talked about this game all week. Um, we've analyzed it from many different uh, sides and points of view so far, but this will be, I guess, our final take together here, Chris, on South Carolina versus ECU. And uh, what truly, I mean, you, you can sort of, the thing about, that is great about college football, man, is you can dive down to every little tiny detail in a game, or you can go back big picture. And at today I was thinking about the big picture of this game and the fact that South Carolina does travel to Georgia next week. South Carolina does host Kentucky the week after. And South Carolina, as we know, is 1-0 right now. So to continue the momentum, we, we know at some point South Carolina is going to face some adversity as far as a loss at some point this year. But to continue that momentum that they're riding right now, um, to really put themselves in a position, but Vegas doesn't really put South Carolina in a position to be a bowl team this year. We have put that, I, I would say, as sort of a very achieve, achievable top-type goal for South Carolina to make progress this season. But if you start, if you really want to get ahead of yourselves, and start to look at that schedule and, and sort of check off potential wins, check off likely wins, check off likely losses. Um, it it kind of need there kind of needs to be a W beside this name or beside this game, I should say, South Carolina versus ECU. If the Gamecocks are going to be in a position to where you could project them to go to a bowl at the end of this season and get six wins. Lots to still learn about this team, but. Uh... You're right. We we knew going into this season that even with all those questions, even without the ball having been kicked off, without game one happening, you, you would think South Carolina is beating Eastern Illinois, right? So you kind of you kind of chalk that one up as as the one and zero. Now we get through that game, we get our first look at this team. We still don't know a lot. Um, there's just a lot of different things. One one reason, you know, opponent competition level is not what South Carolina will see for much of this season. Uh, we, we've talked about all that, but if if you do go through, you know, East Carolina is one of those winnable games 
on the schedule for South Carolina this year. And and to be honest, to be realistic, you know, you look at the schedule, and I agree with you. South Carolina is going to face that adversity in in terms of a loss, and it's probably coming sooner than later, giving given you know how good Georgia is, how much of a challenge Kentucky is going to be. Then you start looking at the rest of the teams that they're going to play. There are a lot of games that South Carolina will not be favored in. There's some that maybe they're not favored in, but you kind of chalk it up as a as a could win or a toss up type game. There are going to be some that you go, I don't really see it. There's going to be some Vanderbilt, for instance, to pile on to those, pile on to them for the third straight day. I think that's one that you put in in kind of the that's a win category. Although we'll, we'll see when we get to that point. But yeah, the East Carolina game, Wes. I mean, you know, we we've said it. Step up in competition. There's some um, unsettling things about this matchup for South Carolina, but they've also got some things where you feel like they have an advantage. So to have that type of season that that South Carolina wants in year one of the Shane Beamer era, you know, you don't want to be playing from behind by needing to beat, you know, a Georgia or Florida or Clemson or somebody like that in order to become bowl eligible this year and, and to achieve that goal. So this is one of those games where, you know, you need to make it happen. You said there were some unsettling things about this game. Let, let's go there first. What is what is the most uh, what is the biggest concern if you're if you're on South Carolina staff right now? You're getting ready for tomorrow. Hey, is pretty much in the barn at this point. Your your game plan better be good because you've already put it in. Um, what are you most worried about as you lay down tonight if you are on this South Carolina staff? You know, I, I think uh, Wes, it's just maybe. East Carolina's skill position guys um, and their quarterbacks. So those components of, of their offense may unsettle you because – and there are other things. So there, are, there are some concerns that I carry, for instance, on South Carolina's offense in this matchup, downfield passing, things like that. We can dive into that too. But but j- just to try to narrow it down to one, you know, you've got a solid running back in Rajai Harris. You've got Keaton Mitchell, who's very fast. And you've got a quarterback that if you don't contain him – um, he can run. He can throw on the run. He can hurt you from the pocket. He's not afraid to take one-on-one shots. South Carolina's defense, you know, it had a g- very good performance in week one, particularly up front. Um, there were some things on the back end that, you know, may- maybe they could have become an issue, but it, it never got there. This week it, it will probably get there. There will be some one-on-one stops that the defensive backs have to make. There will be more open field tackles against – more skilled guys this week. So I think that's the one that you worry about the most. Now there are several others within that or or aside from that, but that's probably the one I would pick. I think um, kind of, kind of in the the lines of what you're talking about, man, South Carolina's secondary, the fact that we have a a comment weighing in right now uh, from H man here on YouTube uh, says the secondary is his biggest concern. Um, to me, it's about the fact that you've got a guy in Holton Aylers, their quarterback, who will buy time and then hurt you down the field. And, um, you know, he can run the football. He's got tremendous size as far as being able to do that. He's not hes not one of these guys that's just going to easily go down. You, you have to go tackle him. You can't just hit him. Um, 6'3", 230 pounds, has a, a physical mindset, I think, but he really hurts you in that he gives his receivers a chance to go go make some plays. He's going to scramble around. He's going to throw 50-50 balls. That makes him I, – I put him sort of as a wild card, man, because you're, you're, you're watching. If you're a defense coordinator, sometimes you're going to do everything right, and he's still just going to find a way to make a play. But there will be other times where he's going to put ECU in a situation where maybe he scrambles a little bit too long, takes a bad loss, Maybe he throws a 50-50 ball that doesn't bounce the right way and it creates a turnover. There, there will be opportunities for South Carolina to make plays here. I, I think for the defense, you, you weren't really tested last week by a bunch of guys from a speed standpoint like you're going to see with Keaton Mitchell this week, from a size standpoint like you're going to see with Aylers at quarterback this week. Um, from a receiver standpoint, they have – they have a nice mix. They have a, a slot receiver who's doing it for the short guys everywhere. He's like 5'7". Um, and then they have a big like 6'2", 220-pound uh, sort of uh, NFL-style outside receiver. So 
you know, I, I think they they do have some guys that that can that can make you miss, some guys that can can sort of test your fundamentals on, on defense, which I don't know that South Carolina was necessarily tested that way last week. So if you have a chance to get Ailers on the ground, do you do it? If you have a chance with the ball in the air to make a big play, um, do you just deflect it and it hits the ground, or do you pull off the interception that, that changes the game? To me, these are the things that it's kind of like if, if a team plays a team 10 times, um, you know, you're going to have different results every single time as far as how a game plays out because it comes down to who makes those plays in these moments. So uh, for, for me, I, I've gone back and forth as far as my final prediction. I have South Carolina winning, but I've gone back and forth if I think it's going to be a game where they sort of can pull away a little bit and breathe a sigh of relief and maybe win by a couple scores versus, you know, are, are they going to have to really gut this thing out? But I I, I sort of go back to, to those turnovers and does uh, is it something that swings the game towards South Carolina in a possible um, comfortable win? Or is it something that swings the game towards ECU and and gets that crowd going, gives them something to be fired up about and, and sort of keeps them in the game? I, I think – Starting, starting fast and, and sort of just operating efficiently right off the bat could, um, could be sort of a built-in key for this game. I'll go back to, you know, the, the biggest storyline that we've been talking about as far as South Carolina's advantage is their defensive line. So I, I go back to that as, as being the difference in this game. The, the defensive line will have to, in my mind, have a very strong performance to win, and I think that can happen. Um, I do think, you know, ECU is is certainly going to scheme some ways to account for that. That's going to be their their coaching staff. I'm sure that's their huge focus. They're looking at the same tape we are, um, and or more, <laughs> and much more. And they're going to you know try to limit that. They're going to try to get their guys on the perimeter. They're going to try to get their backs involved. They're going to you know try to utilize Holt Naylor's rushing ability ability to get himself out of trouble. Um, and so I anticipate there'd be some types of adjustments there and then South Carolina will have to counter. But I do think the defensive line can still have a good game. So I've got South Carolina winning too. I'm playing it a little bit more conservatively, Wes, on the score just because, look, I, would would I be surprised if on Monday we're talking about a multi-touchdown South Carolina win? I, I would not be. Um, but I just think right now, with some of the questions that South Carolina, you know, you use prove it mode all the time is what you say, Wes. They are still in prove it mode on some of the aspects that they need to take, you know, another step forward on the field as a team. And they may prove those, uh, but they need to do it against East Carolina, not against Eastern Illinois. And frankly, they didn't even prove some of those things against Eastern Illinois for whatever reason. So I'm going a little bit more conservatively in terms of margin of victory, but I've also got South Carolina winning. Yeah, I have a uh, actually a long list of things I, I wrote down as far as just my overall keys to this game. Um, some of it we've already talked about. I said defensive line take over the game. If the defensive line if the defensive line takes over this game, like you're talking about, yes, there's. I'm sure ECU will try to adjust. Uh, maybe that means a, a little bit different scheme of things. Maybe that means more. You know, they they tried to throw some some uh, halfback screens to sort of uh, redirect the rush and, and stuff like that. Um, with Keaton Mitchell, you you have to get your guys out there and, and get to him and not let him get into space. So um, at the end of the day, though, that matchup has to go in South Carolina's favor. Um, limit mistakes, that's always a key, but certainly for a team. Beamer said it, man. If you're a freshman, a sophomore, or one of those guys transferring in, this is the biggest road crowd you, you've ever played in front of. So manage that. Manage um, the communication. Manage the situation. And don't let uh, what will really be a, a crowd that this is their Super Bowl. They haven't had an SEC team play in Greenville, North Carolina, um, in over a decade, I think. So th- this this matters to, to the fans. This matters to the students. You're going to see a, a – a riled up atmosphere. Can you slow them down? Can you, can you give them a reason to sit down? Um, if you're South Carolina can test the 50, 50 balls, 
um, attack down the field more. That's that to me is something that when you say some things we didn't see in week one, that, that's probably right where my head goes. But you know, Chris, I do think um, that everybody talks about the one deep ball we saw early in the game. Um, they didn't really attempt a ton of deep balls either. I think it was that one deep throw that actually truly I would count as a deep ball. So some some of that you say, well, are there are these the same issues that we saw South Carolina have last year? Some of that you say, well, it's still just an unknown. It's not a negative yet because I think we're going to see South Carolina implement that a little bit more. My guess is some of that is just the way the game played out. Maybe there, maybe there were some deep balls called that just didn't get out. Maybe there's some deep balls where it ends up going to an underneath guy. Maybe as the game went along, just like they said, they sort of scrapped playing to carry on Joiner more at quarterback. Some of that stuff just sort of got scrapped when you're up by by 30 points. So I, I'll be curious: Do we see more deep, you know, downfield passing deep balls? I would say we absolutely see it attempted. But then the que- the question is. Are you able to hit them? Can can some guys go make some plays for you? We know Jalen Brooks can get open deep. He has proved that um, actually in his short time at, at South Carolina. But but can you just reel it in to where the throw is a little bit better, where the catch is a little bit better, and and start hitting some of those deep balls? Yeah, and, and that is. I mean, I, I think game one it wasn't. It didn't even appear to be as much of an emphasis. Um, not that South Carolina, South Carolina was not vanilla in game one. You know, I, I don't think. We saw a lot of different formations. We saw different types of running plays. Um, we saw different personnel packages. We saw on Joyner come in the game. But one thing we didn't see is I, I don't know that we did see a huge emphasis on the downfield passing game. And, and for the reasons you laid out, some of I'm sure there were other ones called that just didn't hit at times. Um there were some plays where South Carolina had multiple guys open, you know, and against Eastern Illinois, but it is going to have to be a bigger part of this team's offensive attack. And I do think that starts this week. So uh, it, it is still a question. I don't think it's something where you say, ah, there, there's no concern at all, just because again, it hasn't been proven by this group. This is a group of receivers that, you know, all came in, into this 2021 season in that proven mode. You know, guys that have had pretty good off seasons, you know, and to carry on Joyner and Brooks and Josh Van, the starters, or some other guys vying for time. These are all guys that have talent. Like you said, Brooks, he can get up in Van. Very uh, interesting skill set, very talented skill set. Joyner, we know that he's made some strides as a receiver. Did not have a great game one, right? But um, has talent to where he can do some things to help this team. But it is still prove it mode, especially in the deep ball category. So, um, will we will we see more out of that? I think we'll at least see more attempts out of it. And if they can hit some, I think that'll bode well for the rest of the season as far as you know feeling better about that aspect of this team. Yeah, we saw. I think the the biggest, um, maybe the most positive takeaway you could find from the receivers is that Josh Van did have a, a very efficient day. You know, we talked about this sort of going into the season. I said, Josh Van needs something positive to happen early on. We saw that. He had a key first down where he made a guy miss. Um, He had the touchdown catch as well. He had a very efficient day. Um, To me, Chris, the next step is can Josh Van have one of those coming out party type games? Like, can he have uh, – somebody said, you know, Jalen Brooks needs to sort of get the deep ball monkey off his back in that – you see it happen in a game, and then there's something about just experiencing something for the first time to where it, it maybe relaxes you a little bit better. Just to see it and feel it happen. Uh, can, can that happen for Jalen Brooks? Or can, can Josh Van prove he's ready to take that next step and, and kind of take over a football game and have a big game? We, we've seen him, when we talked about it all offseason, we've seen him have flashes. Um, and now he, he had a solid start to the year last week in, in week one. Can Josh Van have a six, seven, eight catch day and start to establish himself as being a primary target 
in this offense. I know those in the building expect Josh to have a really good season. What does that look like? It's a really good season that he catches the football when it's at him. He catches two or three, you know, catches a game. I mean, has 25, 30 receptions this season? Or is it he catches 50 or 60 balls and really becomes a huge part of this offense? Um, I'll I'll be curious to see if he can maybe start to take that step forward. Um, And and some – because somebody's going to have to emerge as the key target in this South Carolina receiving core. Yeah, somebody does. And and who is it? Is it – we talked about this preseason before game one. Is it is it a tight end like we all went through and gave our pick? I think I picked – I should log my own picks better. I think I picked Nick Muse, right? Um, don't remember who you picked, Wes. But we, we kind of talked about this. Could it be a tight end? Could it be a back? Does it come from the receiver room? Well, if, if at the end of the season Josh Van is the leading receiver, I would say that's probably a good thing for, for this offense. You know, not not that it, he has to be, that it has to be some receiver, but that, that means he has had – a very quality season. How many catches that would take? Yeah, I don't know at this point. But man, when I when I look at Josh Fan, and, and I've always been very high on his potential and his actual ability, it has not it has not happened for him yet at South Carolina. And there are a lot of reasons for that. I go back to you know Josh's uh, kind of preseason media availability. He he's very honest about it and talked about it. You know when he first got here, he's sitting behind some really good players. Uh, what three guys that are in the NFL right now? Um, and then he didn't have a great sophomore year. He just kind of had this sophomore slump that really nobody in the program could figure out at the time. And you know, he, last year was last year. I think there were some injuries there too. So it hasn't worked out. You know how how anybody envisioned with Josh Van, but we know this guy has talent. I mean, he's probably one of the more naturally talented receivers on this team. And so he's got the ability to do it. And I thought it was really good to see some flashes of that uh, the other night. He had, you know, that third down catch and run, ran a very smart route. Then you see his athletic ability in the open field. He had the touchdown on a well-run route, caught the ball naturally. Um, Even even a small play like uh, the little, you know, we highlighted the play the other day, the, the Zaquandre White touchdown play where they were lined up together and Josh, you know, ran a really good kind of pick route um, to, to open him up. So I thought he had a really good first game. If he can build off that, that that's huge for Josh and really good for the offense. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's change gears here for a second. Then we're going to give our, our final, final thoughts on the game. Chris, South Carolina getting a pledge from Brian Thomas Jr., a, a class of 2022 edge prospect from Winter Garden, Florida. That's Foundation Academy, uh, a guy that, that South Carolina really has been in, I would say, in pretty good position with for, for some time. And and actually, you know, at, at first I, I was going to say they sort of landed him with that official visit this past weekend. I really think the official visit maybe sort of solidified what I think he was already thinking. He, he went into that with it being South Carolina and West Virginia as his finalists, but Really, I know you talked to him after the official visit, then you talked to him after the commitment. I think that um, it, it sort of just solidified the things he was looking for anyway. And when he came out of the OV basically saying they had everything I could look for in a program, paraphrasing him, um, that's usually a pretty good sign for you. And South Carolina officially gets him on board on, uh, on Thursday uh, late afternoon with him committing to South Carolina. Yeah, this was an interesting recruitment to follow because, you know, he he had been on the board. I think the question going into summer camp in June was, where does he stack up on the board? You know, he's an offer guy, but where does he stack up? And uh, Mike Peterson, the edge coach, wanted to bring him in, and he put on a really nice performance. We were there that day, Wes, of course. Not the tallest guy in the world, 6'1", 6'2", but he can put more weight on. He's very quick off the edge. Um, he almost looks like a really big linebacker, but edge guy that um, South Carolina's eyeing is kind of that buck or that edge player. Um, he can rush the passer. He's obviously got the NFL bloodlines. His dad, who Brian Thomas Sr., played at UAB, so he, he was not the highest recruited guy either. Uh, ended up playing multiple years for the New York Jets in the NFL and was an excellent outside linebacker. 
And so, yeah, Thomas, man, I mean, after that performance at camp, you know, really seemed like South Carolina would continue to prioritize him. They did. Um, they're recruiting several edge players in this class. You look at Thomas Jr., Westmoreland. Uh, you also got, of course, Jay Sean Barr and James Pierce remain on South Carolina's board. Really no, no effect there in terms of them continuing to recruit those guys. But, Wes, with Brian Thomas's NFL ties with his father, you know, what really appealed to him, among other things at South Carolina, was just the way the, the program was run and, and the NFL ties. You mentioned the coaching staff's ties. Mike Peterson, obviously a 14-year NFL veteran, recruited him. And even uh, he gave a shout-out to, to Chip Morton off the strength staff, former Cincinnati Bengals head strength coach, uh, one of Luke Day's assistants. And so that was something that stood out to him, too. So this, this is a nice get for South Carolina as an edge guy that has some potential as a pass rusher. Yeah, you see, you see the huddle right there, um, the film from him. Chris, what, what are your thoughts maybe as we watch this right now? I mean, this is a kid that I, I think is your just kind of classic tweener as far as size goes. Like if, if he was two and a half inches taller, maybe have, you know, had just a little bit more length, then he's probably one of these probably four-star type guys that, that a bunch of other schools are, are chasing. So if you're South Carolina, really if you're any school, you're trying to figure out, you know, how, how much stock do I put into that? Uh, how much stock do I put in that evaluation? As you mentioned, uh, South Carolina had him in camp. Like you said, we were there that day. They made this decision to, to go after him. And I, I think, you know, man, if, if you look, yes, the edge spot for South Carolina is a strength right now. But you got to remember, um, even though – you know, a lot of these guys have another year of eligibility. I mean, J.J. Nagbari, he's a senior. A lot of people think he's a, a high draft pick guy next year. Aaron Sterling is already a super senior, so he's definitely out. Um, Jordan Strong technically would have another year if he wants it. But, um, you know, I, I think you look, man, and um, these uh, you, you've got to sort of put yourself in a position if you're South Carolina to uh, – to re-up the, the room as far as this edge spot goes. Yeah, you do. And that's why you're going to see, you know, it's been one of the more common questions in recruiting this year is, hey, if South Carolina, you know, after Donovan Westmoreland was committed to South Carolina, well, first it was what position does he play? And then it's, okay, how many more edge guys? And then definitely after Brian Thomas Jr. committed, it's what does this mean for James Pierce out of North Carolina, Jay Sean Barham out of the DMV area? And really – South Carolina's continued with the, the plan of recruiting all those guys because for the reason you mentioned, they, they've got some really talented edge guys right now. Um, and they do still have some younger ones. You know, got a Gilbert Edmond, for example, a guy that could end up being a good player. But you're going to have to replace some guys very soon. So, um, obviously, defensive line, edge guys, pass rushers, that's going to be a priority for this program. So, um, they, they don't want to turn down guys that can help them there. And They've got some different, you know, body types and some different skill sets in this class. You know, when you look at Thomas physically, you know, he he is on the shorter side when you think of that kind of prototypical size, but he's quick, technique, hard worker. This is a guy that gets up very early in the morning to work out. He he sees his father as an example and kind of how he prepared himself and made it to the pros and was in the pros for years and years. So I, I think it's an interesting pickup and someone that, you know, they went all out on after they had him in camp this summer. Yeah, you see that that shot right there, man, of him just chasing down a running back uh, 50 yards down the field. That's something you don't always see from from a defensive end, um, you know, to just get involved in a play that far down the field. Very impressive. And it, you will see here shortly, if it gets to it, this is a guy that, that Pete Limbo is going to be thrilled to have on special teams as well. There are several plays here where you're going to see Brian Thomas Jr. Um, on kickoff coverage, and he's the first guy down there. Here, here it's coming up right now. First guy down the field sort of eats up the first block that that tries to attempt to, to slow him down, and, and in several cases here starts the opponent in uh, in really negative territory as far as where you you know, would want to be starting if you're on offense. So um, not not that that's why you recruit a guy. I, I think you're always recruiting this, you know, you're recruiting edge guys to go rush the passer and, and to play that position. But um, at a place where special teams are going to be emphasized, 
the way we know they are at South Carolina. I look at this uh, as a little just added bonus, sort of the cherry on top, you know, and going to get a kid like this in that here's your star player, even at the high school level, putting this type of effort into special teams. That probably bodes well um, for what South Carolina is trying to build as far as team culture and certainly at, at that uh, the special teams unit specifically. For sure. I mean, you know, Brian Thomas Jr., a guy that's willing to play it, obviously puts a lot of emphasis on it himself. And for him, that that's a way that at South Carolina that he may able to be able to see the field early. And he's got, you know, kind of that size and that skill set where you're right. That might be a guy that Pete Limbo is already eyeing and saying, I can use him somehow, you know, on special teams. So that gives you added value, whether it's uh, at the college level, for sure or even when you're looking at the pros, you know, being able to play special teams and investing in that is, is a positive for these guys. So uh, again, that's, that's it. Commitment, Brian Thomas, Jr. South Carolina um, locks in another pledge and uh, gets closer and closer to closing this recruiting class out. Let's uh, let's shoot back into the game, Chris, as we sort of give our final thoughts here on South Carolina's matchup. At ECU, by the way, weather looks, again, amazing. That should not be a factor. So that's a blessing, obviously, for everybody going. Um, I I think there's going to be a lot of Gamecock fans there, too, man. Like The the more I've I've sort of seen online, the more I've seen on social, I I think it'll be a nice little crowd um, as far as not just ECU and their students being fired up. Not a sellout yet as of 2.30 this afternoon on Friday. But um, I'll be curious to see if they're able to pack in the final, uh, you know, final seats there, or maybe some South Carolina fans take that last-minute trip up there. Um, also, maybe the most important question of the weekend: Will Colin Taylor and our crew that's going up there participate in some uh, North Carolina barbecue on the trip? Yes, the fantastic question. Uh, we we might have to have Colin on on Monday for a food recap because oh, let me go ahead and make this little announcement, Wes. I think we're still set for this, right? On Monday recap show uh, for the ECU game, we're going to be out at Primal Gourmet in West Columbia. We're going to go visit those guys and we're going to be checking out some awesome food out there at Primal. Don't know what we'll have yet. They have a wide selection, uh, but we're going to go out there. So maybe we can, uh, maybe we can have Colin on, at some point, and we need to recap what his food selection out there is. Um, now, now, Colin, remind me of the barbecue, West. Does he have decent barbecue takes? Like, I, like I feel like the plates that he tweets out normally look good to me, um, but I wasn't sure if he had some asinine barbecue take like he does with some other stuff. I think he's normally okay on the barbecue takes. Okay. Um. We have, so Benjamin says Par- Parker's Barbecue in Greenville. Um, now, is that is that one going to be open when they get there? Is the other question because it's got a there. Apparently, I, I was told there whatever the top barbecue place is in Greenville, North Carolina, is nine till two. Like it's lunch only. Which I mean, I love barbecue, but if you're eating barbecue at nine in the morning, you are a different kind of. You're a creature. Like that's that's different. May, I mean, I don't know if you're eating it with your eggs and bacon or, or what the deal is there. But um, so they're they're leaving this afternoon. They're actually leaving in about 30 minutes. They're gonna need a barbecue place that serves dinner. Um, Wes, hold on. You you talking about barbecue in the morning? Have you never had grits and barbecue? I mean. No, you haven't. If you said it, like I don't. That. I don't think I have. No, you haven't. If you said that, if there's any uncertainty, you've not had it. Please do it. Brown's Barbecue, right in King Street. Okay, that is what you know. We take that to the beach almost every year, and so you eat it, you know, on sandwiches during the day or whatever. But then you make the grits and barbecue, and you put it in there, and it is. I mean, I'm not against it at all. I just don't think I don't know if I know of a restaurant that serves grits and no, 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 no. Yeah, I, I don't know of a restaurant, but I'm I'm saying you make it on your own. If you're talking about, you know, if your only shot for the barbecue is nine, you know, maybe yeah. you need to find grits somewhere else. But I, I was more talking about at home. But I've eaten grits. I've eaten barbecue at, I mean, seven something, eight, 
Good. I mean, I've had I've had barbecue in an omelet before. That's actually yes, really, that's really, good. really good. That's a really that good. Really good. Um, but yeah, we'll see if they. All right. So everybody, everybody in chat, real quick, and we're gonna get back to the game. Plus, Chris, I want your opinion. Thumbs up, thumbs down, or if if you're um, the SEC Network crew, high beams or low beams. I don't know if y'all saw that. Um, high beams or low beams on vinegar-based sauce on barbecue. Go. Don't hit. Don't hit the actual thumbs down on YouTube though. Like, don't click that button. Just put. Oh yeah. Just put. Type out thumbs down or down or something like that. I I'm th- I am thumbs fully up for the vinegar barbecue. By the way, I. Uh, I love, you know, I would kind of rank them as this. Like, if the barbecue is so good that you don't need sauce, right, that's that's good. Vinegar base, my second would probably be Alabama white. And mustard, like, 80th place. Oh, man, you're going to you're gonna catch it for that one. You're going to catch it for that one. I, um, I am thumbs way up as well. I, I like I like all barbecue, honestly. But the vinegar based, or I like the tomato vinegar based, like to where it's oh, there you go. It's, it's vinegary, but it's also got a tomato aspect, not just the plain vinegar, uh, like a vinegar red. I think a lot of places call that. To me, is probably actually my my tip top all time favorite. Um, I like the Alabama white on smoked wings better than I do. Yes, on barbecue, but the Alabama white on smoked wings is just chef kiss amazing so so we'll see what we'll see what uh what colin and those so we've we've got colin we've got um i believe who which photographer cj i believe is going um cj then michael sauls and kendall smith our two interns will all be there so um yeah you're getting man you're getting all right so chris ty is just dying for you to tell us about Dead Soxy. I mean, I think I don't know if he's making. I don't know if he's making fun of some of my segues or. I believe he is. But okay. okay. Some, uh, somebody was making fun of you on the on the board, by the way, for saying buttery soft. Yeah, um, well, you know that's a. You know what? When I think about it, that might be a little weird. But when you're talking about socks, but I'll tell you that is actually kind of one of Dead Soxy's. You know, I don't want to say a pitch because it's true, but man. They are soft. I mean, you come up with whatever, you know, description that you want to. But, you know, Ty, that was actually a very good segue that you made up about the thumbs up after Wes said thumbs up or down. There was also a mention of something that was very solid. So I will segue using that. Let me tell you what's solid. That is Dead Soxy. D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. DeadSoxy.com. Ty Adams. Big Dead Soxy fan, apparently. I know you have multiple pairs, so go be like Ty, go be like Chris, go be like Wes. I referred to myself in the third person. That was weird. Go to deadsoxy.com, and guess what? Since you're watching GC Live or you're listening to GC Live, 25% off your entire order. Just go to deadsoxy.com and use the promo code COCKY. All sorts of different kind of socks, dress, athletic, no-show, whatever you want. Uh, They'll stay on all day. They're soft, and – you get 25% off. So pretty much an awesome deal. Go check those guys out. I'm a little upset that you called yourself out for using your name in third person because I was about to call you out for that, but you just I don't preemptively know. I was uh, just called yourself out. It's okay. Yeah. Um, All right, let's get back to the game, man. So, all right, quarterback situation going in. I, if you'd have asked me on Sunday, like make a prediction, who starts the game? I probably I would have said I don't know. Then I would have, but you you just said, well, just make a prediction. Give me your opinion. I would have leaned Luke Doty. Right. Um. The the later this week has gone, the more I have leaned Zeb Nolan, and I sort of think um, that's going to be the case. I, I think the question right now is, how does Luke Doty feel when he wakes up? on Saturday morning. And I, I think really I think the two scenarios now are sort of I think Nolan's gonna start. And is it Nolan just plays or is it Nolan 
excuse me, Nolan starts and just plays the whole game is what I'm trying to say. Or is it that Nolan starts and then Doty feels great, so they sort of implement him into the game and sort of go from there? Uh, you know, Beamer said, I believe in the it was the call-in show on Thursday, that Doty was a little bit sore. And I think that's probably from really pushing that thing for the very first time. And, you know, anytime you have any type of, like, foot injury, any lower leg type injury, it just – it sort of messes with – everything else as far as everything on, on your leg is connected. So uh, it sort of stiffens up your muscles. It, it takes a little bit of time, even when you're healthy, to get back to 100% capacity for all those muscles that are, are connected to, to where you got hurt. So I, I think that's the big thing for them. I take them at their word when they say if he is um, 100% um, – then yeah, he's going to play some. But if he's uh, if he's ninety six percent, I think you you do not play him. You know, like I, I think it's literally he's got to be a hundred percent. And as it's gotten later in the week, you don't want to start a quarterback. I mean, that's one thing that's consistent among every single coach I've ever been around. The guy that's able to take most of the first team reps is gonna be the guy that that starts. The, the game and the closer you get to to kickoff the more that you can project it by based on who, who's getting a lot of those reps so my guess probably you end up going Zeb but whether or not Doty plays at some point I believe you need a crystal ball because it's going to depend on how does four feel Saturday morning when he wakes up and then how does he feel when he hits the field in pregame yeah it, we can all sit here, and, and there there could be maybe some exact thought right now of okay, if everything's good, this is what we're going to do. But then again, you wake up you wake up on Saturday, early game, you hit the field, maybe something does or doesn't feel right on Saturday morning, and you adjust from there. So they'll have all scenarios covered. Um, I don't really have that much to add, Wes. On to what you said in terms of how I'm viewing the quarterback situation, I'm I'm right there with you on it in terms of the progression of thinking with Luke and and Zeb and how it looks more and more and sounds more and more like you know signs point to Zeb as a starter, um, and and then just go from there. But it's it's really not possible to say definitively. This is what's going to happen. This is exactly how much Luke Doty is going to play or, or or start or whatever. You you cannot say those things with with a definitive statement right now because it's not Saturday and he hasn't hit the field to see how things are. Shout out Sam, first time tuning in. He Sam said, is this the consistent content? Genuine question. Which I really don't know if that was like, oh, is this consistent consistently what it is? Like it's good or is it consistently like are these two idiots talking about barbecue every show? Like I, I really Lots. don't know <laughs> which way that question was going, but I appreciate everyone who responded as if it was a positive question. So either way, Sam, uh, whether you, no matter how you asked, we appreciate you joining us. Um, I guess if you hate it, you're probably out by now, but if you're still there, we appreciate it. Um, AJ asked a question, any tips? So I guess we have to answer. AJ said, why does everyone think Doty should be QB one? Um, he, and, you know, here's, here's the thing, AJ. First of all, um, they think he should be QB1 because he was QB1 for really the entire entire offseason. He started the spring as QB1. He maintained QB1 for all the spring. He maintained QB1 for all the summer. And he was QB1 um, and, until he got hurt. So I, I think if you're, if you're judging a guy by – you know, you referenced the end of last year and look, you say it didn't look good in the spring. Well, how much of the spring did, did anyone actually see him? You know, you saw him for, for part of a game where you're rotating quarterbacks in the spring game against your own teammates. And you saw him for two and a half games last year, one against a Georgia defense that um, was really, really good. So, and you're talking about a true freshman last year who, essentially was playing quarterback for the first month of the season. So I, I just – I don't think you can judge anything 
you've seen from Luke Doty. Not that he's not going to have his growing pains. Like nobody is sitting here crowning him. Um, but but look at quarterbacks. Most of them, even Connor Shaw. Connor Shaw was a different quarterback um, as a sophomore. And then even as a junior and senior, I thought Connor was a different quarterback then than he was as a sophomore. So it, it takes time, especially if you have a quarterback who is more of an athlete, who uh, didn't actually, you know, he played a couple of years of quarterback in, in high school, um, played played a lot of receiver as a sophomore, was, was injured late in his senior year, missed a lot of time then. Reps matter at the quarterback position. So you're talking about a kid that has a ton of upside, busts his tail, um, was QB1 for a reason, but to, to judge – Doty, as far as what he can be as a quarterback and what he will be as a quarterback, based on two and a half games uh, when the season is, by all intents and purposes, over last year, um, to me is is just uh, very short-sighted is the way I would say it. Yeah, we can't say – we can't say we don't think it, – it'd be unfair to say Luke Doty looked great in the spring, right? Because one of the things we talked on the show – about a lot, Wes, is when people say Jason Brown looked like the best quarterback in spring. Well, we've consistently pointed out, yeah, that that was that was the only thing in spring that anybody saw was that one game where, you know, I mean, one of Jason Brown's throws is a very good throw, but the throw to EJ Jenkins where, you know, it was a freshman walk-on covering the guy, you know, things like that. Um, it's not fair to say – any quarterback looked great or anybody (laughs) – it's not fair to say anybody looked great or anybody looked poor in spring. We did not see enough of spring. The the spring – spring practice is a totality of about 15 practices. We saw a little bit of one game that was televised. There were a lot of guys out, you know, due to minor injuries and stuff like that. So, I don't think that was fair. Now, does that mean that Luke Doty – absolutely tore up and it was completely unstoppable in spring or preseason. No, we're not saying that either, but he did earn the starting position and keep that starting position. And last year, you know, to say that those were subpar circumstances for a freshman quarterback is the understatement of the century. I mean, you you bring in a guy and and he's playing, you know, the first game he comes in, what halftime of the Mizzou game. um, And he played, all right, fairly well, given those circumstances. Remember, the team is is not good at that point. Things have kind of fallen apart. The personnel offensively is not there in terms of help. Next week, he plays against Georgia and goes 18 for 22 for 190 yards. That's pretty good against that Georgia defense. You know, so then he played one more game against Kentucky. So I agree with Wes, not, not enough there to make a, a snap judgment on this is exactly what Luke Doty's going to be. Because you know what? We don't know the other quarterbacks on the team. We don't have a big enough sample size on those guys either, you know, to make definitive statements on them. Yeah, and Sam, we we weren't trying to roast you. We were, although we will roast uh, our our usuals get roasted a little bit just because it's fun. But we were just wondering if you were roasting us, like if you were low-key roasting us, or if you're like, oh, these guys are pretty good, or you're like, oh, these guys suck. Um, either way, I don't know. But we welcome you, man. Um we are every – I say every day. We try to do every day at 2 o'clock. Sometimes we are late. Tuesdays we're going to be a little bit later than normal because that's the day of the Beamer press conference, and it always goes to um, to about 145, 150, and then you're trying to get home, trying to get set up. Uh, those will be more like 2.30. Off-season, we go Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2 o'clock. Sometimes we don't do Friday show. But during the season, generally you're looking at Monday through Friday – at two o'clock uh, Alex asking if there will be a game day chat tomorrow yes there will we will pretend it's on game day to be honest it's going to already be recorded today it will be up on the site very very early uh, probably before you get up Alex um, on Saturday it'll already be up it'll already be scheduled and uh, hopefully you'll all watch that as well um, Chris you already did you give a did you give a score prediction did you give the final prediction I know you said South Carolina wins but I don't know if you did so all right, let's let's all. Uh, if you're in the chat, give us your score prediction. Um, I wonder if anybody's going to pick ECU. That's a Gamecock fan. I don't think they will, to be honest with you. Chris, give me your two to three sentences on the game and a final score. 
I think the difference ends up being South Carolina's defensive line. You know, ECU will make some plays. I think they'll score, get their skill position guys out. I think South Carolina does enough on the ground, just enough through the air. 27-21 Carolina is what I got. Okay. We're, um, what did I say? I, I try to be consistent. I have South Carolina 31, ECU 20. So we, we have them scoring, um, you know, a, a similar amount. Yep. And um, Alex says he's now going to make it a goal to wake up before it's released. I, I like the like the effort there, Alex. But, yeah, man, I, and, and ultimately I think whether it's a close game or South Carolina wins by a couple of scores is going to be about turnovers. Can South Carolina minimize the bad things? Like can they minimize mistakes, cut down on some of those dumb, 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 as uh, Beamer would say, penalties? I think that still is irking him to this day. Yep. Um, the number of penalties. Did you notice, by the way, on the rewatch, this is one of those things you don't get when you're in the stadium, that the announcers who get sort of that extra insight before a game said that one thing Beamer kept talking about going into the game, he's like, man, a lot of these week one games, teams make a lot of bad penalties. So it was like emphasized leading into the game. Let's not be one of those teams that makes a lot of bad penalties. And then, boom, lo and behold, yeah. it happens. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he was not a fan of all that stuff. So th- there's no doubt there's no doubt that that was uh I guess re-emphasized and you know throughout this week of preparation corrections. You know Sunday Beamer kind of went through not on Sunday but their Sunday practices quote unquote very very light right, but a lot of just corrections and things like that. There's no doubt that that was maybe the top emphasis West as far as correcting those things and and it'll be important for this game. Yep, so uh, I've got 3120. Check out Gamecock Central for all of your pregame, during game, and post game content. We've got a lot of great stuff planned. We've got, um, I believe, four people going up there to, uh, to cover it from ECU. We've got a behind the scenes. Hey, follow us on TikTok as well. If you are, if you're a TikToker, follow us on there. Look up Gamecock Central. We're trying to hit all of the social media platforms that we can. So go check that out. Uh, For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you on Monday, and uh, I will see you on Saturday for a little quick game day chat right before the show. Appreciate the support, as always, and uh, y'all have a good one. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.